Wait no longer. Greatness has arrived. Welcome to the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I am your host, Joseph. It is here where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. Of course, you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from or over at YouTube at Bad Bit Games. And if you like what you hear, please consider dropping us a five-star review on iTunes or drop us a buck our way over at patreon.com slash bad bit. So with all that said, and with all that out of the way, it's here where I usually introduce the greatest co-host whoever is, whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson. And tonight was going to be a very special night. Because we also had Megadance own uh, Adam Leonard on the show. But unfortunately, um, while I was editing the show, I ran into a really weird audio bug, uh, bug on my end. And the episode just didn't work. And that's kind of what happens sometimes when you're creating any type of content. When you're on a roll, just like the trophy room's been for over the last year and a half now, um, you run into a little snafu. And so sometimes you just have to sacrifice a really good episode or really good podcast to the podcast gods in order to keep the show running. And it looks like that's what's happened this week. So right now, guys, guess what? I'm all by my lonesome. It's currently, as I'm recording this, 1230 at night. Everybody's asleep, but I'm up here making content for you because we made a promise where each and every Thursday, at least one of us is going to talk PlayStation, and there's a lot to talk about. We got new Spider-Man Miles Morales details. We got Call of Duty being revealed. We have Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer DLC being announced and more holiday games being delayed. But before we get into all of that, I do want to just talk a little bit of housekeeping right here, right now. No more audio bugs or whatnot. Uh, we have a 100 review iTunes giveaway that we're doing here right now. Uh, if we hit 100 reviews on Apple podcast slash iTunes, uh, we're going to be giving away a chance for you to have your first PS5 game on us. So whatever that game is, if you want to get Miles Morales, boom, it's, it's, it's yours. If you want Godfall, bam, that's yours. You have a chance to win those things only if we get over a hundred five star reviews on the Apple podcast thingy. So please, please, please. It really, it would really mean a lot. We've been getting so much love over the past few weeks. Um, it's been. It's been, I'm going to be real. It's been really overwhelming. So thank you all so much. Kyle and I are extremely grateful, extremely humbled by not just the five star reviews, but like the support we're getting on Patreon, uh, Patreon, all the, all the viewer questions, even this week have been fantastic. So for the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And lastly, I want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash bad bit. Again, we talked about all that support. The last three months of our patron has just been blowing up. We want to thank our newest patron, the pink orc bot. Thank you so much for becoming a silver member. I want to thank our gold members, Ryan Grant, Gavin Gottfried, Griffin West, Robbie Bobby Miller, and Corey Schofelder. Thank you all so much. And our silver plus members, Marcus O'Neill, Ray Martinez, JB, the purple monkey, and Tim Ulf. Thank you all so much for supporting the show, even when it's a bit of a, of a garbage fire this week because of me. So again, thank you all so much for your support. It means a lot. But now it's time to square up the news. The first bit of news this week is that Miles Morales details reveal a MCU-like 
but not interconnected Marvel game universe. This comes from PlayStation Lifestyle's own Will Harrison. A piece by Entertainment Weekly released today not only shows off some new screenshots of both Spider-Man Miles Morales and Marvel's Avengers, but also delves into the writing and creative processes for both games, revealing a huge Marvel game universe independent stories. This is a quote. We always believed in the power of video games, said Bills Roseman, vice president and creative director at Marvel Games. Both Roseman and John Palik, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce that name, lead writer of Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4, talked about how the delays and the pandemic have been an opportunity for the teams to figure out how to bring the feel of the MCU to a new medium. While also retaining the uniqueness amongst the different games. Roseman also confirms that the PlayStation-exclusive Spider-Man series and Square Enix's Marvel's Avengers game franchises are not interconnected at this point. Remember that, at this point. But more like their own individual cinematic universes. The Spider-Man coming exclusivity to the PlayStation version of Marvel's Avengers is not Insomniac Spidey and will not follow his story. There are no plans to directly link any of these games aside from those that are designed to be direct sequels or connections, like Miles Morales. And this is another quote. Each game is in the Marvel Universe, but they're in their own reality, if you will, Roseman says. Currently, our plan is to keep every game set in its own Marvel Universe. The interview also confirms details about Spider-Man Miles Morales' story, saying that Miles Morales' uh, home, uh, home of Harlem is on the verge of being torn apart by a war between an a energy corporation, and a criminal organization armed to the teeth with advanced tech. Insomniac promises a complete game with a full arc for miles. All right. So what do I take of this whole story? Well, first, a bit of a correction on my end. You know, a few weeks back when we talked about the exclusivity on Spider-Man uh, for the Marvel's Avengers DLC, you know, I kind of assumed similar art styles that, hey, this was just, this was Insomniac Spider-Man entering, you know, Square Enixes and having that MCU like event for all these characters being interconnected. This seems like as what they say at this moment, that's not the case. And as I've come to kind of think about it and as we've kind of discussed previously, kind of foolish to kind of think that <laughs> at this point. And that's on my bad. That's totally on my bad because you get this, you know, rose tinted glasses. You kind of see the MCU. You, you see what it's been able to do, right? Especially with Endgame. And you kind of think, well, video games are the best medium. Why can't we have that, you know, Tony Stark snap moment in a video game? And the fact the matter is, if you just look at it logistically, I mean, we're talking about two different publishers, right? Square Enix is a different company than Sony. Both of them are making two totally different games. How do you actually interweave these stories into these different projects and then have things midway through development change as time goes on? Those things are just hard to balance. You would have to do that totally in-house like the MCU has with Disney, right? You know, they're not going out to Paramount or, well, right now kind of doing with Sony where, you know, it's kind of sort of connected with the MCU, but not really. You don't want to have those kind of strings though, right? You want to have your own stories being told the way you want. You don't want your creative leads who are making these different games have to kind of be bound by some type of story structure. 
you need that flexibility. So when you have so many different dev teams, so many different publishers working on these games, yeah, it's going to be a separate story for each one, their own separate universes, which honestly, thinking retrospect, it's totally the right move, but also kind of scummy then that Spider-Man is just an exclusive character on Marvel's Avengers. It just feels weird. At the end of the day, I don't think it's consumer unfriendly. I do think it sucks if you're an Xbox fan or PC fan, but these are two companies making a joint agreement. I don't know if that really screams anti-consumer. It's just kind of shady. And that kind of sucks. And we've seen Marvel's Avengers is kind of being piecemealed out DLC wise to like Vizio and other weird like Verizon DLC skins. So it's, it's weird where Marvel's Avengers stands right now. And I could understand if, you know, people who aren't in the PlayStation ecosystem are upset at Spider-Man's exclusivity at this point because it's not the white spider. But at the same time, I can't. Again, I'm I'm kind of a guilty party here because it's not affecting me, so I don't really care. It's in my ecosystem. PlayStation is paying for me to be in their ecosystem, you know, with with things like cool DLC with with Spider-Man or, you know, making sure that PlayStation Plus gets a couple of extras when I'm playing the games that I'm choosing to play on that ecosystem being reward for it for it. I don't mind it. Now, with that said, though, let's take the new Miles Morales stuff, because this is an interesting thing. So we get the full arc, complete game. Insomniac is trying to defeat this narrative that this game is just a bona fide DLC. They're really trying to say, no, this is a standalone experience. This is something that is a full game. It might not be the big 20, 30 hour game that Spider-Man PS4 was, but this thing's going to stand on its own. And I love the screenshot that we saw of Miles kind of just lurking on the street, um, kind of just like seeing the puddle there. Kyle mentioned uh, on our last episode, kind of just going, yeah, look at, we're bringing the puddles back, bring it on Puddlegate, seeing the reflections of his hand on the puddle, seeing even if you zoom in very closely, you can see reflections on his, on his lenses. It's, it's incredible to see what's at work here where the lighting and the tech just looks so impressive on Spider-Man Miles Morales and knowing that this is just the first game. This is just the launch game. You know, usually launch games, they're, they're just the, the benchmark of what, of what's going to be surpassed over time. So seeing the, the, the image, I think did way more justice than seeing it, uh, revealed at the stream, though you saw me freak out, uh, because we actually saw it rendered in 4K, what it's going to look like and seeing the side by sides between the PS4 game and now, uh, Miles PS5. It's, it's, it's Keanu Reeves breathtaking, y'all. It looks really good. So much so that people are like, that's cinematics. That can't be actual gameplay. That has to be, you know, that has to be a CGI type of experience. And it could be, it might, it could be part of a cinematic where, you know, he's fighting, I don't know, like Green Goblin or someone. And it's just like a quick time event. But even if that's not the case, seeing where Spider-Man PS4 was, where really the, the game looked like the game looked, whether it was in cinematic or not, there wasn't a big difference between the two. I'm excited to see where the future of Miles Morales is. Seeing this brief snapshot of what this story is going to look like or what this game is going to look like, rather, has me excited. And knowing, just knowing, <laughs> having that feeling in my gut that we're going to play as Into the Spider-Verse Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales. 
just gets me so excited. Like, I'm going to be real with you, uh, you guys. Uh, the day of this news hit, um, was the fifth anniversary of my grandpa passing away. Uh, really, I love him. I miss him every day. Um, and into the spider verse got me through some of the hardest hitting depression I've ever had. And so seeing that just stupid little thumbnail of miles on the street, um, kind of really helped me get me through my day. And I'm just so excited to play this game come November. I'm just so freaking pumped. And, uh, I can't wait to talk about it with you guys when we finally get information of when this game actually comes out. So with that, that's our first bit of news. Again, new details, Miles Morales. We're in Harlem. We're fighting evil energy corporations. Apparently we're fighting Elon. <laughs> Elon's like, we're going to make every city corner a Tesla power plant. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do from it. I'm just going to do really shitty tweets all day. <laughs> That's what we're, we're fighting Elon Musk on the street. Him and Grimes, you know, they're the two, they're the two uh, billionaire evil philanthropists. They're the evil Tony Stark. Oh my God. All right. Let's get into the next bit of news. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War confirmed. This comes from Matt Kim over at IGN. The next Call of Duty game is officially titled Call of Duty Black Ops. Wait for it. Cold War. As previously reported, the setting is set during the geopolitical conflict between the United States of America and the USSR. And you're not lucky where you are. Oh, oh, that's a, that's a Beatles quote. That's not from the article. I'm sorry. Anyway, Call of Duty's official YouTube channel posted a unlisted trailer that's a short, uh, short of gameplay, but shows a real video footage from the Cold War era of history, all the while using a voiceover from, uh, from KGB defector Yuri Beznovman as he explains the tools of fighting the Cold War. Sorry, Yuri, I butchered your name. And let me tell you something. This trailer, uh, finally got revealed after what has been a really weird and, and Batman's been doing this too. This weird marketing maneuver of like, Hey guys, we're going to give you weird hints and weird puzzles to solve each day. So you keep coming back to our Twitter for engagement and we can show our artificial growth to our bosses so we can justify our, our existence via marketing. Uh, it's really weird. The setup. It's cool that they used in-game things, like in-game puzzles, to kind of crack the code of when this trailer was going to be dropped. With that said, this trailer, my God, guys, it hit a little bit too close to home. Like, you're seeing Yuri talk over about how to uninstall governments and how to grow Russian propaganda and you're seeing like the White House, you're seeing the Washington Monument and you're seeing all these famous people and then like Russian code words over the, the monuments and stuff and you're like hearing Yuri like first you install a fascist regime and then you take uh, normalize the people you make uh, you install puppet government who make Facebook ads and then you make him fight the post office like it got really real maybe a little bit too fast and I could kind of understand why Call of Duty was maybe hesitant of putting this out right here right now in the the climate that we're in at this very moment politically. So it was really real. Um, they used real footage, like army people marching in the streets. It was, 
it, it striked a really serious tone that oftentimes Call of Duty goes for. And when I was watching this trailer, I was like, wow, this is some really impressive, like they're, they're, they're hitting me with the theme of, of Cold War, the height of it, Russia versus, versus America. And I was just like, but man, if only this was another game, right? Like as much as I liked modern warfare, I can't remember that single player anymore. As much as I love the multiplayer, I also understand that like when this game comes out, it's going to have the story and then it's going to have like zombies or something like stupid with an Avenged Sevenfold cover somewhere, right? Like it's, it's still an action movie. It's still a popcorn flick. Whereas like you could have something that is a military shooter, kind of like spec ops the line, but have it where it's telling a real, you know, gray story of like, no, there's no good guys or bad guys type of thing. It's all just shitty situations. I would have loved to see that with this game, but I kind of already know that when we see the full reveal in August uh, 26th, that we're going to see a whole bunch of gunplay, a whole bunch of kill streaks, and we're not going to get that real story that I think Call of Duty could hit. Like they tried with, uh, with, uh, uh, World War II, and they even got some of the things right with Modern Warfare, but I feel like they often pull their punches because at the end of the day, they don't want to be too quote-unquote offensive um, or, or toting some type of line because you still have to sell this game on a Doritos bag. Like, this is how the game was leaked, was on a Cool Ranch, <laughs> Cool Ranch Doritos bag and, like, Mountain Dew bottles. That's how we found out what this game was going to be. So, to me... I don't have high hopes for this game telling the story they want to, but at the same exact time, I did like Modern Warfare. I did like Warzone. I do like the gameplay that Call of Duty seems to be returning to. So though I'm skeptical of them telling a good story, I'm not skeptical of that. They're going to give me a good game as I sip this water. Give me a second. That was refreshing. All right. So Call of Duty. Again, we're going to get a tr real trailer showing off the game on the 26th. Rumor has it we're going to get a beta early September, and then the game's going to come out late November. Uh, this is all comes from some leaks that verified when this teaser was going to come out, what the name of this game was going to be. So I we guess we're going to have to wait and see till then, but... You know, I'm I'm here. It's more Call of Duty. It's no surprise to us that we're going to get a Call of Duty every year. But you know what was a good surprise? And this is actually a great segue. Ghost of Tsushima Legends coming to PS4 in the fall 2020. This comes from Darren Bridges over at the PlayStation blog. Today, I'm very excited to reveal Ghost of Tsushima Legends, a new online cooperative multiplayer mode that will come free to download for Ghost of Tsushima owners on PlayStation 4 later this year. Legends is an entirely new experience. It's a separate mode that doesn't follow Jin or the companions from his journey, but instead focuses on four warriors who have been built up as legends in stories told by the people of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima uh, single-player campaign focuses on an open world and exploring the nature beauty of the uh, the natural beauty of the island. But Legends is haunting and fantastical with new locations and 
enemies inspired by Japanese folklore, tales, and mythology, and emphasis on cooperative combat and action. We design legends to be exclusively cooperative gameplay experience. You'll be able to partner up with friends via online matchmaking and play legends in groups of two to four players. Each player can choose from four different classes, a samurai, hunter, ronin, or assassin. Each class has a unique advantages, abilities that we'll reveal in the future. With two players in Ghost of Tsushima Legends, you'll be able to play series of cooperative story missions that escalate in difficulty, building on the foundation of combat from single-player campaign, but with new magical twists that often require careful synchronization with your partner. I almost lost that one, guys. You saw me. Who like? God. Anyway, <clears throat> four players you'll be able to take on wave-based survival missions, fighting groups of tough of the toughest enemies Tsushima has to offer, including new Oni enemies with supernatural abilities. Ooh, spooky. That's not in the story. That's just me editorializing. Anyway, you can get the best, the story, and the survival missions. You may be confident enough to take on the four-player raid that will eventually arrive shortly after the launch of Ghost of Tsushima Legends, sending you and your partners to an entirely new realm to challenge the brutal and terrifying enemy. We'll have much more to share on Legends as we get closer to launch, including details on character classes, customization, and more. Thank you to everyone for your support on Ghost of Tsushima so far. Man. Oof. You know what it does with that? Trying to pronounce Sushima respectfully and naturally? Very hard for me. I'm from Jersey. I can't pronounce things good at all. If it's not an Italian name, I can't do it. Di Firenzo, I can do. Sushima, I can't. <laughs> and I'm Hispanic. I could, I, I should do like, you know, Puerto Rican names. Like I'm pulling a rabbit out of the hat. It should be easy. Sometimes it's a tongue twister, you know? Anyway. <clears throat> Here's a question from the most famous Seamus I've ever met in my entire life. You could bookmark that, tweet it out. It'd be the truth because I only tweet the truth. That's a fact. No, sometimes I do fib. I stretch the truth, but truth's in there. So I'm still telling the truth. Anyway, Sashima says, <laughs> Sashima, Jesus, Seamus says, so Ghost of Sashima multiplayer mode looks awesome. What do you think about it? And if you could put it in a multiplayer mode into a single player game, what would you pick? Okay, so what do I think of this multiplayer mode? Well, I'll say it from, from Kyle. Kyle talked about this uh, on the Patreon show, which y'all could check out right now. If you're a patron over the $3 level, that's a bronze here. You could check out our Ghost of Tsushima discussion. He talked about wanting this game to be more supernatural. And he understood that that was never really their root. It was more of a, you know, realistic fiction-esque uh, story, but he wanted that supernatural element. And so seeing this, what kind of seemed like you entering this realm that looked like Tsushima's take on Remedy's control, it piqued his curiosity. He's fully on board. He's super excited to play this. And I'm super excited because I get to play it with Kyle and hopefully you guys and gals out there as well. I would love to do some type of trophy room play date where we're playing with everybody here and just seeing how Tsushima, the game was just such a surprise to me and so many others. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to beat the drum on this game for the foreseeable future. This is a game that is currently my game of the year and to have this online element that look, you're having four different classes, right? A samurai assassin, uh, a Ronin and a hunter. 
you have like ranged abilities, you have supernatural abilities. It kind of screams to me a samurai take on destiny. That's cool. Now I'm not going to say it's going to be as in depth or this is going to change or revolutionize, you know, the way that we look at multiplayer games. Absolutely not. Hopefully it's not like a slap together or piece together, uh, uh, multiplayer experience. I have faith in this team, but I'm really, I'm, I'm thinking that this is going to be something that's going to hold people over while the PlayStation 5 launches to give more people something to do with that next gen console or have something to do with their friends who upgrade to that console. That's what I'm hoping for Ghost of Tsushima Legends. Um, so I'm fully on board. Like I already know I'm going to be either the assassin or samurai because those were the games or maybe even the Roman Ronin. I, Hunter wasn't my, like, like bow and arrow shooting wasn't my jam, but like Ronins were cool as shit. Now I'd probably be samurai or assassin. Ronin would be third samurai because I'm more upfront. The assassin gameplay element, like when you unlock the ghost mode, it's just fucking awesome. So again, there's so many different ways to, that they seem that they want to tackle gameplay that I'm just, I'm totally down on this idea. And it's awesome to see, you know, Sony going, Hey, Let's support our games for the long run. Like oftentimes, you know, ever since I think like God of War, really, a lot of them, uh, except for I think Insomniac, were just like, no DLC. No, no, it's just standalone games. Tell we want to tell. That's it. We're working on our next project. Seeing this, this gives me a feeling that the next Tsushima might take a more cooperative based approach as well. So this is awesome. Now, when it comes to multiplayer mode in a single player game, what game would you pick? I'm going to take an easy out here, Seamus. I'm going to say Last of Us Part 2. Like, we were all really bummed out where they're like, oh, eventually, maybe over time. And then, you know, Neil Druckmann kind of be shaky on that issue. But Last of Us 1 multiplayer was fantastic. That was something that early in the PlayStation 4's life, that was a huge multiplayer game for people, surprisingly enough. So I would love to see, um, forget what the mode's called. Someone who's a, who's a real fan of PlayStation, let me know on Twitter, PS Trophy Room. But, um, yeah, like I would love, I think, what is it? Is it survivors? No, factions. It was called factions. I'm an idiot. Look at me. Saved it. I'm the host of the PlayStation Trophy Room, not you guy on Twitter. I saved the day. So yeah, I would love to see what elements of multiplayer they would make in The Last of Us Part Two and what they would implement and what they would fix. Like that god for awful like community little mini game they had. Ugh, not great. And speaking of holiday launch, let's talk about our next story. Ar- Arkham. Oh my goodness. Arcane's death loop delayed to quarter two of 2021. This comes from Tom Phillips of Eurogamer. Deathloop, the next game from Prey and Dishonored developer Arcane Studios, has been delayed until quarter two, 2021. It was previously set to arrive in the time for Christmas on the PlayStation 5 and PC to be a timed exclusive for Sony's next-gen machine. In a statement released via Twitter this afternoon, the game's official account said its release was pushed back in response to delays surrounding the current need to work from home. Quote, This extra time will allow our team to bring Deathloop's world to life with as much character and fun as you've come to expect from our team, Arcane wrote. While we know this is the right decision for Deathloop, we share your disappointment and apologize for making you wait even longer. 
Oh, this is a bummer. This is, you, you know, Sony, give us COVID taketh away, right? But here's the thing. Famous Seamus was on a roll today. This might be Famous Seamus's fucking week, y'all, because he crushed it. I'm sorry, everybody else who gave questions. You know, this he was like, I got I got something for you for every topic. I'm like, all right, Seamus, throw it down. And thus he did. With Halo Infinite and now Deathloop being delayed until 2021, do you think more games will be delayed into next year? This sucks. <laughs> this is a sucky question, Seamus. How can you do this for me? Uh, or to me, rather. <sighs> We're getting close to the wire here. You know, I think Cyberpunk threw out a very, uh, trolly tweet of like, they had this announcement from, from, you know, the Cyberpunk team and it was just a literal rickroll, which was fucking hilarious. It got me. I clicked on it every time. Every time when someone's like, oh, it looks like they got cyberpunk again. And then I clicked. And I was like, oh, fuck, got rickrolled. And I was like a dumb idiot. I was like a gerbil, like, a, or, or even worse, like a, a memory of a goldfish. Every time I saw like the post, the yellow cyberpunk, I was like, oh, no, click. Oh, fuck, rickrolled. Oh, no. I don't know what's wrong with me today. But nonetheless, uh, will we see more games that get delayed? Yes. It's only a matter of time. And there are so many games that we know are coming out. In all honesty, we still haven't gotten a lot of information on, like Watch Dogs Legion, um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Really, we, we've not seen almost anything of Valhalla, right? Like, oh no, wait, we we have. We've seen like some alpha gameplay footage, uh, preview footage, but other than that, there hasn't been like, here's Valhalla, here's the big rollout of this game. It's been kind of weird. Uh, and then other like indies or second party or, well, not so much indies, but like AAA games. Yeah, I would expect big delays. Like Call of Duty being, again, rumored the end of November, where last year it came out, you know, beginning or mid-October. Yeah, you're, you're going to expect delays from AAA games. But at this point in time, I really do think once we hit September, the delays are going to be not so much out this year, but maybe a week or two, if that, a month, because AAA studios, AAA developers and, and publishers, holiday is still really important. So maybe some of these games might not look the best, not feel the best at launch and get patched over time, but definitely these games are going to make it here. Like Marvel's Avengers, as much as I played it and felt like it still needed a little bit more time in the incubator there, um, that game's coming out in September. There's nothing bad bit can do or say about it. Uh, same with Cyberpunk. They're even, they're like, eh, we're not too much of a fan of the, the melee combat, but so far they keep counting down the days. They're like 91 days until uh, Cyberpunk. So yeah, we'll see some delays. But I don't think we're going to get much more delays into 2021. It's been a weird year, y'all, but we've been having a lot of games to play. Remember, we got The Last of Us. We got Ghost. We got Final Fantasy VII. We got Neo 2. We got Persona 5 Royal. Uh, we got Resident Evil 3, Doom. We, we have games. I think at this point, at least for me, we've just been burning through them. That's the whole thing. Now, Nash Boots writes, and he goes, should all new consoles get delayed until next year so games are ready and people have the chance to save for them uh, because unless, or sorry, it will be the slowest launch of a system ever. I have no doubt. So what Nash Boots said in that I butchered, um, yeah, we're, we're launching these consoles weird, right? Like Microsoft's launching the Xbox Series X 
last year they promised this was going to, you know, Halo was going to be the launch title. Now that's all in limbo. You know, we're seeing games that are announced on the show that's going to come in holiday and they keep on getting pushed back, right? How many times at this point has Cyberpunk even been pushed back? It's been a bit. So, yeah, I, I get it. It's going to be a slow launch, but let's be honest with each other here. Let's huddle up here for a second. What if I told you, though, like, grand scheme of things, this launch doesn't really matter much. Like, no matter what, Sony and Microsoft are going to make about a million of these consoles worldwide. They're going to sell out immediately. The first batch, second batch, third batch, fourth batch continued. Both consoles are going to do fine because people got that disposable income. People are stuck in their homes. They want something new. They want a new experience. And I'm sorry we're about to get political, but as long as those stimulus packages happen the second round, these consoles are going to fly off the shelves. And if everything is kind of pointing to that happening, at least the tech and the manufacturers are concerned, they want that stimulus because they want that money. These consoles are going to happen. Now, if that second stimulus doesn't happen, yes, we're going to see a slower rollout of these consoles, no doubt in my mind. But at the end of the day, right now, right here, let's be honest, PS4 had Knack and Killzone. PS3 had like Resistance and a duck game, <laughs> right? Like, you know, they, these, these launches usually aren't the most stellar thing in the world. Um, you know, looking at what we have right now, even if it's just Miles Morales and Bug Snacks, that's still a lot better launch than, and, and, and these games being solid, that's still a lot better launch than most consoles that we've seen. And it really goes, to effect of, well, what's going to be affected a year or two out from now, right? With mocap and COVID and people not being able to travel, how is that going to affect work uh, in the game sphere? That's what we should kind of be worrying right now is how are games going to be affected one, two, three, four years out because of COVID and our lousy response to it? Oh, shit, I was playing Son of a bitch. But nonetheless, that's that's the thing that we ought to be thinking is games, especially AAA, they're going to get delayed. And I think when it comes to indie games like Bugsnacks, um, smaller teams that could gather together uh, in small groups and or just be comfortable working from home. I know a lot of indie devs that are have been working from home already, and so they're unaffected. Yeah, I think we're going to see a heavily reliance, heavily relying on uh, indies to start selling these systems more. So it's going to be a weird rollout for sure. Uh, slow one, I don't think so, though. I think these things are still going to sell like crazy. With that, this one, this one I did just for Kyle. And I, he was, he lit up when he saw this story, guys. I was just like, I made this kid's day, you know? And now, because of me being a dumb dumb, he's not here. So I'm going to, I'm going to pretend I'm Kyle. I, I'm going to pretend I'm Kyle. After reading this story, you ready for it? All right. Guatemalan retailer lists Prince of Persia remake for PS4 and Switch. This comes from Sal Romano from Gematsu. Guatemalan retailer Max has listed Prince of Persia remake for the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch with a November release window. Bloomberg video game reporter Jason Schreier retweeted the leak, the leak with the comment, video game retailers sure love leaking Ubisoft's surprise announcement. 
suggesting that the remake is real. Trier has accurately leaked detail information on Ubisoft titles in the past. And when a user tweeted, I don't believe it's true, Shire simply responded, this tweet won't age well. Given that this is a Ubisoft title, it is likely that this remake exists. It will also be available for Xbox One and PC and possibly PS5 and Xbox Series X. End of story. What are my thoughts on this? I'm Kyle. Watch this. Whoa, this is Wowzers. <laughs> That's my Kyle impersonation. Uh, for audio people, I just wave my arms in the air. Listen, it's 1222, all right? This is... Or 122. I don't know. Time's an enigma. I can't stare down. Uh, so yeah, Prince of Persia's out. Kyle was so happy. This was his jam. He was just like Prince of Persia on PS2. That was the pinnacle. And me, I feel nothing because I never played Prince of Persia because my mother, spoiler alert, not a good mom. She didn't buy me all the things I ever wanted. She didn't spoil me. And ergo, she did not buy me Prince of Persia. So I had to watch G4. This is how farm date myself maybe even pre g4 whatever that was watching watching just gameplay reels of prince of persia and watching my friends play it i never got to experience it so this is cool but a november release window really ubisoft like no doubt is this leak real let's first get that out of the way because it's ubisoft everything they ever want to announce gets leaked somehow. They have the worst kept secrets in the game industry. So no doubt this thing is real. And with Schreier confirming it for the most part, that guy would never tell me a lie ever. Uh, he would just be sarcastic and kind of a dick on Twitter. But nonetheless, he wouldn't lie to me. He'd just be kind of a dick. Uh, <laughs> I respect you, Jason. You do, you do the Lord's work. Anyway. Uh, so what I feel about this is November is weird because you have watchdogs at the end of October. Then you have, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And how are you, where, where are we putting, where are we putting Prince of Persia? Doesn't make much sense, right? Like, where would we put, like, are we putting that in between these games? Is this like a Crash Bandicoot experience where it's like 39.99, throw it out there type of experience? See if it's sick. See if there's actually an audience for it. Because this is not how you do it. Like, there's going to be a huge marketing for Watchdogs and uh, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and just seeing this game being thrown out there in November, where all these other games are, just does not spell to me a good move. It just kind of seems like they're kind of throwing this out there to die. Now, I would like to see if this is real. Maybe it come out in January, where everybody has their Christmas money or Hanukkah money, uh, or uh, actually. I've been corrected. It's called Chanaka. I was yelled at by my science teacher in eighth grade. She says, Chanaka. I'm like, whoa. All right. You didn't have to approach me with that much fire. So there it is what it is. You have all these kids with their holiday monies running around. They want to spend it on something. I, I think this would be a perfect game for that. And if it's like enhanced for X or enhanced for PS5, that's double win, double whammy. So to me, this remake real, it being in November, ooh, I don't know about that one, guys. But I definitely think it's real. With that, boy, comes our last story. This one's, this one's not fun. So let me let me, listen. If you don't mind, I've been talking for oh boy, like thirty eight ish minutes. Let me just guzzle down this water real fast. Oh, should I edit it? Yes, and I will. So three, two, one, bam, whammo! Look at that. It was all professional. <laughs> Look at me. Anyway. Rockstar, 
Rockstar. I, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry if I jumble over my words and I say Rockstar by accident. It will happen. Uh, rock study. Toxic workplace allegations surface ahead of Suicide Squad reveal. This comes again from Matt T. Kim over at IGN. Rocksteady Studios, the London-based video game developer behind Batman Arkham series and the upcoming Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, has come under fire for the revelation that the company alleged allegedly did not take action when presented with stories of sexual harassment within the company. The Guardian published a report regarding a letter signed by over half of Rocksteady's women's employees back in November 2018 that claimed, uh, uh, among other things, a sexual harassment uh, experience in the workplace. The letter signed by 10 of the company's 16 women employees at the time raised issues about the workplace that included slurs regarding transgender community and discussing a woman in a derogatory or sexual manner with other colleagues, uh, as well as unwanted advances, leering at parts of women's bodies and inappropriate inappropriate comments in the office. The Guardian's anonymous source who signed a letter in 2018 claims that the letter was kept private from the rest of the company and resulted in only a single training seminar on sexual harassment in the workplace. The source alleges Rocksteady still has issues with sexism and harassment in the workplace. Since the publication, the Guardian's report, Kim um, Mac... I'm sorry, Kim, I'm going to butcher your name. My apologies. Macaskill. Macaskill. Yeah, I think you got it. Uh, former senior, and if I don't got it, I seriously apologize. Senior scriptwriter for the upcoming Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League came forward with her account working at Rocksteady. In her 13-minute video, McSkill says that 97% of the employees at Rockstar, sorry, see, I said it, Rocksteady were supportive of her as a woman and a developer. Quote, it's just unfortunate because one of one or two people weren't so good that this happens. And it happened because the company is inept to limit this stuff, she said. Macaskill says all but one of the women who she spoke to claimed to have an experience, some form or of harassment at Rocksteady. Macaskill also alleges that uh, HR failed to appropriately handle the allegations. Following these allegations, Rocksteady has remained mostly silent on the matter. The company says it's working on a response to the news, but in the meantime, shared a letter from the company's official Twitter account, which claims it is, uh, it claims is a voluntary response from seven of the 10 signatories of the original 2018 letter. The letter claims that immediate action was taken to address matters of sexual harassment at Rocksteady and that the original 28, uh, 2018 letter sent to the Guardian was done without their consent. So I'm guessing what they mean their consent was the consent of the seven uh, out of the ten, which I believe has been updated to eight, eight of the ten uh, signatories, not like, you know, Rocksteady's permission. It was the permission of the people that wrote this letter. Uh, with that, comes a question from uh, Mr. Moody, the glorious one himself. Hello, you glorious hosts. I hope tonight is just host, man. I'm trying my best. I hope you are well. I have not been excited for the new Batman or Suicide Squad games. Batman is just overused, and I want to see other characters that WB own. And Suicide Squad at the time was just because of the rumor about it being a games and service game. 
But now I've seen, I have even less interest in the Suicide Squad game after the article by The Guardian and the gut punching video from former writer at Rocksteady said, and said the game, uh, a Kim Mackeskill. Sorry, I butchered all that. Uh, the gut punching video from former writer Rocksteady said game, uh, Kim Mackeskill. My question is, do you think Rocksteady should postpone the game's reveal during this time or push it ahead like Ubisoft did with Ubisoft Forward? So just for a frame of reference, Ubisoft has had huge allegations from several people within that company going all the way to the top. And um, they kicked out a lot of the people out of that organization. A lot of people resigned More, uh, moreover. But... They still carried on with the press conference the day after all this revelations came to be. Now, WB and WB Games has this DC fandom event in August, and it's going to be split into parts. So there's going to be one part in August, one part in September. Um, do they, do they push this game, games announcement back to handle this? I think first, let me get my feelings out of the way here. This sucks. I, I unfortunately watched that 13 minute video was the first thing I watched. I got up out of bed when I, I, I checked discord. That's usually the first thing I do when I wake up and, um, and seeing that video from her, this writer, she, she loved this project. She fucking, she even loved working there, even with creepy fucking dudes. And I'm assuming the gender, my apologies, but I'm um, come on. Cis white male. I, I can assume. Uh, in, in, in a position of power, like, yeah, screams it to me. That's not even me trying to be a joke. This is not j- jokey Joe. This is me being serious and, uh, me being tired. So yeah, it sucked hearing someone who loves the project. It was kind of like they were in a, what well, they were in an abusive relationship where they're like, I still love this person, either though they're treating me like shit. It's like, she still loved this game, though the management treated her like shit. And she wanted this game to succeed and she didn't quit. Just like probably a lot of those women in that letter didn't quit because they wanted their name in, on the credits. Because if you work on something, you want the credit for it. No matter what you've gone through, you want your name on that, that, that little fucking credit screen at the end. Right. Um, so it sucks. Now rock studies, rock studies tweet was this long, like, five paragraph picture. They blocked people from replying to it on Twitter. It's just awful. And it was an awful reply. Um, and it, it was kind of condemning the, the person that was speaking out, of course, like in situations like these, but where do you go if you're rock steady? And it's, I, I feel uncomfortable putting myself in that position because of the circumstances, but you go ahead with it. You know, like Macaskill said, there are good people that worked on this game. Oh, close to 300 folks. Um, knowing that from what she's saying, it's one or two people seems like they're in very high positions of power and so much so that HR will protect them. Um, it's a uncomfortable situation, but yeah, th- this game is going to be shown off at fandom and it's going to have that stain on there. Like talking to Kyle about it, his enthusiasm went out the window because of because of the allegations at hand 
And I've seen some people go, oh, this per- this person just wants to bomb the game. That's why she's doing it right now. No, it's she's getting the, the, the best highlight, the spotlight, so that she could shine a light on this problem that is apparently systemic within that company. I applaud her for doing it. It's not an easy thing. You know, I have a lot of female friends. They get this shit all the time. Uh, real talk. Let's take the fucking gloves off here for a second. My best friend, uh, she works in office, right? I'll call her Sally. Sally works in this office and her boss is constantly looking at her fucking chest. Like it's God forbid she wears a fucking V neck that day. Like she gets it constantly, but she does it because she needs to put food on the table. She needs to pay rent and she deals with it. She just deals with it. Luckily it's only leers. And, and and awkward stares, but t- to know that you're you're fucking at your desk and someone's grabbing you. I don't like to be fucking touched on my shoulder, you know. If I don't, fully, <laughs> I like my personal space. It, 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 what what the fuck? Honestly, what the fuck? It bothers me. But I'm also thinking, and it's so hard to think this way. Of those other 200 folks that didn't do that, the decent folk. Um, and it's sad, but true. And it's been said before. If you're famous, you get away with it. And apparently this is the case. It's really disgusting and it makes me feel gross. Um, even talking about it, but unfortunately you have to keep pushing. And if you're rock steady, you know, well, actually it goes into the last famous Seamus question. <laughs> um, with the recent news about Rocksteady's failure to protect their female employees and a toxic toxic culture in the company uh, that disgusts me greatly. And now I'm 110% not getting this suicides game unless they a clean up house, get rid of the assholes in the company and their horrible HR department B apologize publicly to the victims. Uh, what, what are my thoughts? I mean, you're hearing them right now. My thoughts is this is gross. Um, publicly apologize. I'd, I'd hope at the very fucking least apologize. You know, like they said they, they, <clears throat> they did a, they did a, they took the necessary steps. Well, tell us what the necessary steps were. At this point, you need to be transparent with us, right? Um, and we need to be delicate on this situation as well to, to all, to all parties is, Hard for me to say, as all, for all parties. And I'm not talking about the douchebag. I'm talking about the seven women that were assaulted. Um, we need to make sure that they have a structure in place that takes out those assholes. <laughs> My apologies. It takes out these assholes. Um, so, you know, that, that's the, that's the pie in the sky, right? That's what we all want to see. We want this happy outcome, but the real, the realism is, you know, am I still buying this game? And here's the sucky thing is kind of, I'll be truthful with you. The the reason is like, even uh, Maca skill said she wants this game to succeed. And I believe like, and I'm paraphrasing here. She's like, I know this game's going to do well. I want this game to do well, but Rocksteady doesn't deserve this game to do well. Um, She, she constantly says there's good people here. There's good in this company they just don't know how to deal with a changing culture and they have a toxic one uh with people at the helm being this level of 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 dick so 
yes, I will think about the 200 plus people because if I'm just like, no, I'm boycotting this game, fuck this game, um, which you're totally right to do, but this is just me rationalizing. Like if you don't want to buy this game because of what you heard, you have every right in the fucking world. Um, but the way I see it, yeah, 200 plus people. If I just, everybody boycotts it because of the one dick, all these 200 people suffer and I'm out of a job right now. And it sucks to, to, to feel that, but knowing that I can maybe stop that from happening for those 200 people, I'm willing to give this game a look if Rocksteady takes necessary moves, takes down that fucking Twitter post and goes, okay, gang, we understand this letter existed. The people that, that, you know, the seven folks out there, they, this was not, they did not want this to be public, but. Here's what we've done. Now that it is, here's what we're doing. Here's what we have done to tackle these things. Yes, I would like whoever was the harasser to be outed and them being thrown out. Hopefully the spotlight makes it so. Um, but this is systemic in every industry. It's systemic in, it seems like a lot of these businesses and a lot of these publishers. And I'd be... <sighs> And it's disgusting. And it goes from indie all the way to AAA. And this is just stuff we know about. Um, so it's hard. It's really hard. Again, it sucks for me when I hear like trans, uh, you know, transgender or transphobic remarks, you know, again, one of my close friends is, is a trans person. It, it, that hurts. Um, because it's, it's just, it's out of ignorance. Um, when they talk about, you know, women in, it's just disgusting. And I feel like Adam said this really great is we have an opportunity as creators to, to put a spotlight on this situation so that people are aware and you take that knowledge. And now this is me. You take that knowledge with you and you choose what to do with it. So we know that there's an asshole in rock steady. Do we condemn the whole studio for one person? Who knows? That's up to you, wherever your moral compass leads. But should we demand better? And this is where I tell you, yes. Yes. I want, I, I want everybody to be held accountable. Gang, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> it's a joker line. It's Rock City, Batman. Uh, I try to lighten the mood. This is what I do. If I make a joke that doesn't land, I want you to be real with me. If I say a comment that may offend you, I want you to be real with me and I want you to, to, to tell me when I may screw up. Not to say that after you go, Oh, Joe, I don't like what you said. Like if I said, I don't know, bug snacks, more like butt snacks, whatever. And you're like, Joe, I don't like that you said that. I'd be like, okay, I don't like, fine. You know, we, we could come to agreements. I could be like, you know, or I said something really shitty or I did a voice that thought you're, you're offensive. I'll at least tell you, Hey, not my, not my thing. That wasn't where I was coming. I'm sorry I offended you. It's, it's that, it's that simple. We all need to grow and be better towards each other. We just need to do better and we just need to hold people accountable. So if you don't like something I say, call me out on it. If you don't like something this company does, make sure your voice is heard. Like what, what McSkill, uh, what McSkill said here. Um, make your voices heard, everyone. That's what we need to do. You know, uh, I hope, I hope, I sincerely hope things change here. 
Um, I feel so horrible for all the, for all the victims here, uh, for even having the spotlight on them, which it looks like some of them didn't want, you know, uh, it, it sucks that now this, this has got reached the point, uh, that the attention's all eyes on them. It really does suck. So sorry that explanation was uh, so long. Um, but I had to get that out of my chest. Um, it just sucks because again, I have so many, LGBT, uh, Q friends. I have a lot of female friends and man, how many times they go through this shit is, is something else. So make sure you hold people accountable, yourself accountable, everybody. Make sure you're trying your best to be the best you, um, in the world and shine a spotlight in any injustice you see. With that <clears throat> off the podium onto Andy snail mail. Now, each and every week, you can send your questions over to PS Trophy Room on Twitter, and link in the description, or you can send your questions over to Casa de Babbit Discord server. We read them out. We have a fun time. It's great. It's fun. It's whimsical. Or there's a third option. You can send your mail over to Andy House himself over in the UK. I swim over there. I fly over there. Sometimes I just do a teleport like a Goku, like a, you know, how they just tap their forehead and bam. ESP their way over to yeah, the UK. Nonetheless, we got one question. Okay. Cause again, I'm tired and I'm getting cranky. <laughs> this question comes from they write in a Sobo studio seems to be on a roll with Microsoft uh, flight simulator this year and the stellar game. It is so fucking good. A Plague Tale Innocence in 2019. I should really let you finish your question before I should just fucking chime in here and knock a shot. What would you like to see from this developer in the future? Now, Nagachaga, great question, because we have similar tastes. Uh, Plague Tale Innocence could have been, was up there for game of the year. The more I think about it, the, the higher it gets. It's just such a great game. And again, for like a double A experience, like they didn't have this big budget behind them. Like so many other games, they were able to churn out a really beautiful looking game and a really powerful story. So for me, as I'm multitasking here, I loved Plague Tale. I loved uh, what I'm seeing right now from, from Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, not to say that this game is particularly for me because it's definitely, definitely not for me. Uh, but like seeing people going, Oh, I, I landed perfectly flat, fine. And like the plane's upside down <laughs> in a cornfield. That's fucking hilarious to me. I lose it all the time. So just seeing those type of posts is great. Seeing this game have a stellar launch because usually flight simulator is a niche title. Like I think the last game was like in the early two thousands, if I'm not mistaken, but like flight sim, usually really small title, seeing it take off, seeing it on game pass, seeing people actually fucking interested and going, Oh, I want this on Xbox series X. That's fucking awesome. So what I would hope is a Sobo being picked up by, listen, I would love Jim Ryan to hand out a sack of cash, but I definitely could see them being picked up by Microsoft and saying, Hey, here's triple a money. Go make a plague tale two or make whatever fucking game you want. Cause it's Sobo y'all fucking earned it. And you retweeted us back in December. So I really like you with that. There's Andy snail mail. I do have something on the bounty board that I want y'all 
uh, hunters to kind of look at right here, right now. Now, again, earlier in this episode, and I forgot when, but time is an enigma and I'm very tired. I said that for the third time. That's not a tired joke at all. Um, I said that we're doing a giveaway for 100 reviews on iTunes. When we reach 100 five-star reviews on iTunes slash, slash Apple uh, podcast, we would give a, have a giveaway where one lucky winner has a PlayStation 5 game of their choice on us. So please, please, please make sure you go on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. And if you're outside the U.S., you also need to do one more extra thing, which is send us a photo of your review. Because unfortunately, we can't no longer uh, look at international uh, uh, standings for podcasts. So usually we'd be able to go hop on like the UK iTunes. But now since it's officially Google, uh, sorry, Apple Podcasts, you can't hop on the UK version of App- Apple Podcasts only in your region, which really sucks. So again, PS Trophy Room, send in a picture our way, and we love giving people shout outs all the time we can. Whether you're a new patron, whether you're, you know, subscribed or or sorry, whether you you send us a five star review, we're reading them out here. We really appreciate it. So with that, this comes from Irish Joe. This podcast has become one of my top three podcasts to listen to. Definitely a go-to when I'm wanting to listen to podcasts. Joe and Kyle have the best chemistry. Hear that, Luke Laura? The best chemistry. And it makes uh, it makes it fun to listen to. It's a great PlayStation podcast, but even if you're not a big PlayStation guy, uh, but a gamer, you'll still you'll still enjoy their back and forth. The nicest people around, and it's super fun and entertaining to listen to. Now, Irish Joe, if you're watching this, you go, Joe, why can't you read? <laughs> I'll answer you. I'm having my MacBook tilted sideways, and um, I don't know why I tilted sideways, but I couldn't zoom in. So, like, I had to read really, like, close to it, like I'm like I'm an 80-year-old lady, like that meme where the lady's looking at the laptop all shocked. Uh, that's one of the best memes out there. Anyway, listen, I'm sorry... Kyle wasn't here this this episode. That's all on me. <laughs> That's all my uh, dumb dumb mistake. And really, now that we're getting out, this is towards the end of the show, and we usually get more relaxed here. I could tell you, OBS kind of messed up this today. Uh, my audacity, uh, because it's ninety degrees, I'm using something called Nvidia RTX Voice. And what that does is it eliminates all background noise, so you only hear my voice. And because it's the summertime, it's super hot, so I'm able to put my AC on and kind of relax while I, I podcast, and you wouldn't be able to hear it normally. For some reason, it did not work this time around. So you just heard, and it was the loudest thing in the world. So this is totally, totally my mistake for the show. I I feel like you guys and gals, uh, everyone, y'all deserve an episode every Thursday. So please, please, please go out there, reach out to Megadad's uh, Adam Leonard, uh, the art of Adam on Twitter. He does. He's done our art, but you're seeing the key art, the cover art you see every single week. That's Adam Leonard. All the art you've ever seen on my channel, Adam has done that all. He runs a fantastic website called megadads.org. Uh, they are a group of gamer dads. They go do reviews, deep dives, conversations, podcasts, Megadads Lives. Fantastic. They use their voice to do so much in the industry. They, they are truly changing the way that podcasts should conduct themselves. When I talk about 
you know, earlier holding content creators, you know, accountable, they're really what I'm talking about in terms of like using your platform to do good, to promote positive change. They inspire us to make us more positive and inclusive and, and bringing in more diverse voices. So please go over, listen to them. They're great folks. They're always out there trying to do the best they can for gamers and people alike. Uh, I want to big, give a huge shout out to seriously the greatest co-host whoever is, whoever will be Mr. Kyle Stevenson. Um, he's a goddamn joy. He is the light of my life. He is seriously the greatest co-host who keeps me level-headed every single week. Uh, I owe him so, so much for making the show what it is. Uh, so who that ninja 73 over there, you find all the stuff he does. He does too much. So if we could tweet out and go, Kyle, just take a night off. Okay. You do too much. You're killing yourself out there, kid. Do, do whatever you can. <laughs> but seriously, he's the best goddamn uncle, best co-host a, a guy like me can ask for. And with that, you can find this podcast each and every Thursday on Bad Big Games on YouTube, wherever you find your podcast services. I hope you like this episode. I actually really dug it. I talked a very long time with not a lot of breaks. I'm kind of proud of myself at this point in time. So with all that said, with all that out of the way, everybody, I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening, for liking, for sharing, for subscribing, for rating us on, on a, a Apple Podcasts, for supporting us on Patreon. Your support means the world. And with all that said, and with all that out of the way, everybody, keep your wits about you and have a nice one.